Hey everyone, I'm Sierra Combs and I'm the women's director here at the River Church. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way to do that is to text River Connect one word to 97,000 or you can visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and our upcoming events. If you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321 or you can visit our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoyed the message today. Well, we've been uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. We have uh, this week, and I believe it's one more Sunday in the Sermon on the Mount um, for this year. We'll be back in the Sermon on the Mount next year at this time. Um, but every time we come to it, it's just it, 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 Jesus just hits us right where we are. So if you have your Bibles... Turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's uh, where the Sermon on the Mount is. I'm getting a crease in my Bible in Matthew chapter 5, which is not a bad thing. Um, it's, the, it's the longest sermon that Jesus has ever preached and at least recorded. And um, I have a friend that uh, is a pastor in California who is over in Israel right now. Took, he took some of his people at his church in from California to Israel. And so I'm reliving all of the stuff. When I see his pictures, I'm like, oh, that's so great. Oh, He's his second time. So he went on a pastor tour, and then he got to take his people to go. I hope to do that someday, to go with, go, go with people from here at some point and across our eight locations eventually. So we'll see, we'll see what God does with that. But uh, it's so cool. And so when I come to the Sermon on the Mount, in my mind's eye, again, I see the Sea of Galilee, as, as Jesus would have at the top of the mountain he was on when he was preaching this message. And so it's, it's pretty cool. But I did want to start out with a quick story so you know where we're headed. Um, a small boy was on the witness stand in an important lawsuit. The prosecuting attorney cross-examined him, then delivered, he thought, a crushing blow to the testimony. Your father has been telling you how to testify, has he not? Yes, the lad replied and did not hesitate with the answer. Now, said the lawyer triumphantly, just tell us how your father told you to testify. Well, the boy said modestly, father told me the lawyers would try to tangle me in my testimony. But if I would just be careful to tell the truth, I could repeat the same thing every time. Right? Right? Jesus is telling us to tell the truth today. We can struggle with telling the truth. And we're going to get to that passage real quick, but I want to remind us that everything that Jesus is saying here is based upon the Beatitudes. The first part of this chapter is all about the Beatitudes, and it's about those that are blessed, those that are approved of God. He gives us a list of what it means to be a Jesus follower, and he talks about people who are poor in spirit, people that know that apart from God, they have no hope. They're poor in spirit. They understand that apart from God, there is no hope of eternity. There is eternal separation from the Lord. We have to understand that we're poor in spirit. And then we mourn over the sin that we have in our lives. That's what Jesus talks about. And because we've mourned, now we're meek. We understand meekness is not weakness, but meekness is strength under control. And we understand that because of what God has saved us from, man, we're going to be meek toward other people. We're going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We're going to be merciful because we've been shown so much mercy. We're going to be pure in heart, which that's a focus on Jesus. It's a purity of focus is what Jesus is speaking there. We're going to be peacemakers. We're not just going to be pacifists. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to go out and make peace. Sometimes that means 
being a little aggressive to make peace. It's like, what? Yeah, you have to go make peace. You don't just sit back and let it happen. You go make it. And then finally, when we do these things, there will be times, if not many times, that we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. But like I said, we're diving into what it means to tell the truth. Telling the truth can be a difficult thing. Take, for instance, if your spouse asks you if the jeans they're wearing makes them fat, what's your response? Wrong answer. You hesitated. (laughs) Don't hesitate. Do these jeans make me look tired? No. That's your answer. All right, don't hesitate. That's bad. That's really bad. All right. If your kid comes to you with this great piece of clay, looks like a Picasso. What do you say? It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Right? Now, as Jesus isn't telling us to be a jerk. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not like we, you know, tell our child that that looks like an ashtray. I don't know, you know, but the reality is sometimes we don't give our opinion right away because we don't want to hurt somebody, right? But we live in a world where truth is extremely hard to discern. And there's so many people that tell us they're telling the truth. All we have to do is go back to last Tuesday, which if you didn't know, that was election day. You missed it if you were going to vote this Tuesday. It was last Tuesday. But we have all these people telling us all these things. All these people. The chaplain of the Kansas Kansas Senate prayed this prayer in front of the Senate one day. He said, omniscient father, help us to know who is telling the truth. One side tells us one thing and the other just the opposite. And if neither side is telling the truth, we would like to know that too. And if each side is telling half the truth, give us the wisdom to put the right halves together. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? I mean, there is so much, so much information coming to us anymore. With our devices, with television, with news, with all this stuff. But here's the kicker in our society. Opinion matters more than truth. Really, when we look at our society, somebody's opinion matters more than the truth. We don't really care about the truth. We just are going to align ourselves with people that match up with our opinion. And truth doesn't really matter to us. Um, I mean, I'm not sure we have the ability to know the truth based upon what we watch. Whether we watch Fox, whether we watch CNN, whether we watch MSNBC, whether we watch, you know, the, the major news networks are a little less known or the Daily Wire or whatever we watch, listen to, whatever. We're more interested in their opinion than we are about the truth oftentimes. Man, how, how tired are we of all the political ads that we just saw? I mean, oh my goodness, all the time. And I mean, and we like to watch YouTube and we, and we subscribe to YouTube TV for our sports and stuff. And so we see a lot of the same commercials over and over and over. And oh, it's, oh, just got so rough. But I thought about probably about a week away from the election, I thought, huh, I want to look on both sides. I want to take some Republican commercials and take some Democratic commercials and actually do a little bit of research. There is so much taken out of context in those commercials. And if you just do a, fi- literally, a five-second Google search, 
You can find the sound bites that are being thrown at each other and find out that the political ad is lying to you. Even about the content. And yet for so many times, we just are aligning ourselves with whatever political opinion we wish to be rather than finding out what the truth is in our society and our culture. I mean, we just went through a huge pandemic and in some ways still are. Where's the truth? Where, I, I can't tell you how many times in 2020 that I had no clue who was telling the truth. I don't know that we'll know for the next decade what the truth was because everybody leverages it to define a narrative, to make a narrative that fits desires, wants, positions, and for our own good. And every single one of us in this room struggles with that. Every single one of us. The message we hear in our culture today is live your truth. Live out your truth. Wait a minute. What if my truth says your truth isn't a truth? So where do we find truth? And if truth ceases to be truth, is it true in the first place? Truth can't be relative. It can't be relative. If truth ceases to be truth, it's no longer true, right? Truth means it's always right. Truth means it's always correct. Can truth change? Our belief about truth can change, but truth itself does not. Truth itself does not. It's one of the biggest reasons we can trust God with our lives. He is truth and he never changes. In Psalm 100 verse 5, God's word says this, For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Malachi 3.6, he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. I do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. See, our God does not change. He simply doesn't. You know what's so great about that? Is that his love for you will not change. It's a love unlike anything we've ever experienced. Because we can feel very unloved just based on how I performed that day. The people I hung out with, the words I said, maybe my boss doesn't like me as much that day. Everything seems conditional. God's love is not. His love is not because he doesn't change. And it doesn't change based upon what you think your performance is or isn't. Billy Graham said this, truth is timeless. Truth does not differ from one age to another, from one people to another, from one geographical location to another. Man's ideas may differ, man's customs may change, man's moral codes may vary. But the great all-prevailing truth stands for all time and all eternity. And that truth is found in Jesus Christ alone. He is the truth that stands above it all. And truth stays true because that's how truth works. We can have perspectives on what truth is, but that's our application, not necessarily what the truth is. And I also don't believe that it's coincidence that Jesus decided to go into this idea of oath-keeping and truth-telling right after he just talked about the vows we make in marriage that we don't break. And if you're wondering about what I had to say about divorce, you can go to our website or you can download the River Church app and the message should be up 
now, and you can listen to that message when you get home this afternoon or sometime this week, anytime you want on demand. But Jesus talked, was talking about this right after, after he spoke about divorce. And we are called to speak the truth every time we speak. Because here's the thing. Kingdom-minded people, messianic people, Jesus followers should be known as people that simply tell the truth. That's what we should be known for. We should be known for telling the truth. And this is what Jesus speaks to today. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Let's go ahead and read this. Matthew chapter 5, 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let, you, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So here we are again. We're at this, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. So Jesus is defining what the law actually means. Because the scribes and the Pharisees came up with their own definitions of all of this stuff. And anybody that hears this is going to be, as a Jewish audience, they're going to know what the Old Testament said about these oaths. And oaths are actually encouraged in the Old Testament. Here's a couple of verses that talk about it. Leviticus 19.12. Oh, sorry. Um, Deuteronomy 10.20. Let's say that first. Deuteronomy 10.20. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. So oaths were encouraged to be entered into. It was presumed and encouraged. However, Making a vow or an oath and then not doing it was strongly discouraged. Leviticus 19.12. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 23.21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you and you will be guilty of sin. See, it's a very serious thing. When swearing to do something by the name of the Lord. And this was encouraged. And yet if you swore by the name of the Lord, you better do what you said you were going to do. Otherwise, you will bear account for that. But here we go again with the scribes and Pharisees working it to where they can get around the law. And so what these religious leaders in Jesus' day had ended up doing is writing and teaching more about how to get around it. The Mishnah or rabbinical writings has an entire section on when you can lie and when you can't. An entire section. It's crazy. It was taught that if you swore by Jerusalem and not toward Jerusalem, you were good. Because if it was toward Jerusalem, it would somehow invoke the divine name. If you would just swore by Jerusalem... You're good, you can lie. In fact, it got so bad that common practice, to, it was actually common practice to convince someone you were telling the truth, even though you were lying by bringing up some common person or common place into it. So I swear on my dead dog. I swear on my second cousin. I swear on, I don't know, Fargo, North Dakota. I swear on the Detroit Lions. Ooh. 
It's basically like going back to elementary school and saying, yeah, I like so-and-so. <laughs> no, I don't. Ah! You know, that's what it turned into. I cross my fingers. Like that makes it better. And that's what it ended up, ha- ended up happening. So Jesus takes it further, right? He takes it further to say, look, this idea is true of truth is very, very messed up. And so he says, in fact, don't take an oath at all. And he says, he says, in fact, changing what you swear by in an oath does not change the fact that you were still held to it by God yourself. Because he goes through this list and he says, what if I swear by heaven? Is heaven okay? Well, no, because that's where God is, right? He resides there. It's the throne of God. Well, how about swearing by the earth or anything on it? Well, that's God's footstool. And it's all his creation. So you're still not good. How about Jerusalem? Maybe we'll swear, remember, by, not toward, by Jerusalem. That's the throne of the great king. It's the holy city. It bears the name of God. It doesn't matter if you swear by or toward it. What about my own head? By the hairs on my head. By the hair on my chinny, chin, chin. Well, no, because you can't even change the number of hairs. Or the color of it, well, okay, you could dye it, but it doesn't change. Not really. You can cover it up, but it's still gray. Sorry, it's just the way it goes. I've earned these things. They're staying on here. The gray comes back. We can do all these things, but, but they, it comes back. Jesus says, don't, don't even swear an oath. So what is Jesus really saying? Again, it really is more simple than we want to make it sometimes. He's saying, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Don't be known as somebody that, you can't, that can't be trusted. He says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. People know if you say yes, it's yes. People know if you say no, it's no. Period. Keep your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Apologize if you can't. And make it right. Just tell the truth. James would later say, his Jesus half-brother, by the way, can you imagine being related to Jesus? Just on this honest side note, I mean, the sibling rivalry, I mean, to be, I mean, James, James didn't even believe in Jesus when he was alive. He rejected him as Messiah until after the resurrection. I mean, again, But here he is, James, probably the book, if you read James, if you've ever read the book of James, be careful, watch out, because it will, it'll step on every toe you have and every fingernail too. It's, it's a great book. It's a great book of scripture, but man, it tells you, it doesn't pull any punches. It tells you how, what it means to really follow Jesus Christ. And he says at the very end, and he quotes his half-brother, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you might not fall under condemnation. So this idea of telling the truth is an important thing, and we think, well, what if it's not that big of a deal? I mean, you know, it just gets me out of this little thing. It's not that big of a deal. Why was it such a big deal for somebody to break an oath in the Old Testament? One big deal. Who 
do you represent? Who did the nation of Israel represent on earth? The creator God of the universe. And when they invoked his name to swear by something, to swear on something, that is a very serious thing. And my friends, when people know that we're followers of Christ, and if we're not known as truth tellers, as people who can be counted on, I would go as far to say the best worker that our businesses have, somebody that, can, that I know that if they sell, tell me that, they're going to do it and it'll get done. And even when they make mistakes, they're humble about it and they come back. If we're not known for that, what does that say about who Jesus is in our lives? This is a big deal. We can think that this truth-telling isn't a big deal, but it really, really is. Because righteous men and women of the kingdom of God don't need to take an oath because they are marked by truth. They're marked by truth. You don't need to swear by anything because you're already telling the truth. But here's an interesting thing about swearing by anything at all. This is a quote by Dr. Helmut Philick, I think is how you say his name. Whenever I utter the formula, I swear by God, I am really saying, now I'm going to mark off an area of absolute truth and put walls around it to cut it off from the muddy floods of untruthfulness and irresponsibility that ordinarily overruns my speech. In fact, I'm saying even more than this. I'm saying that people are expecting me to lie from the start. And just because they're counting on my lying... I have to bring up these big guns of oaths and words of honor. And we may be thinking, man, I don't really swear by anything. I I don't. I mean, I don't feel like I have to. Okay. But how are you at truth telling? I mean, do you have to convince people that you're telling the truth? Is the first thought that other people have is, well, I don't know if I can trust them. And this isn't just by what you say, it's by what you do. If somebody gives you a task, can you be trusted to accomplish it? Or are they going to go to somebody else because they just can't trust how your follow-through works? Again, guys, as followers of Jesus, Jesus is telling us here so much more than just the words that are coming out of our mouths, but yet we remember that the words that come out of our mouth are from our hearts. The words that come out of our mouths and the actions that we perform are heart indicators. They're heart indicators. Ultimately, our commitment to truth should be known to everyone around us. Everyone around us. I taught our girls, uh, for those who don't know, I have two girls. I have one daughter, Kylie. She's 18. She's over at Cornerstone University, a freshman in college. And I have an eighth grader at Oakland Christian. And her name's Sydney. And uh, one of the things we taught our girls from a young age, was that in our family, we tell the truth, even when it's hard to each other. We got to tell the truth, even about what we do. Um, Because if you can't trust someone to tell the truth, that's a huge disadvantage in life, and it shakes the core of every single relationship we have. And I I would always tell them that if they tell the truth to us, they're still going to get some consequence for their actions. Because We still have to discipline our kids to help them become, for us, the young women that God wants them to be. But 
if they lie to me. And I find out later, not only will they still get the consequence for their actions, but the consequence for not telling the truth would multiply said consequence by many times. By many times. Because if I can't trust my girls, I can't give them responsibility. In fact, I went so far to tell them that if I can't trust you, I can't give you what I want to give you. Because as a dad, I wanted to give them every gift I could. I wanted to give them all the stuff that even they wanted. I mean, you can't do that because then you spoil them. And I mean, we probably spoil their kids a little bit. All of us do to a point, right? But if I can't trust my girls, I can't hand them a cell phone. I can't let them drive a car. I can't give them big responsibilities like that. It's not that much different with God. Jesus said that if a father, a good father can give good gifts on earth, how much more will your heavenly father give gifts to us? But if we can't be trusted, God has to hold back some of the blessing that he wants to give us because we can't be trusted. Jesus is talking about that here. Kingdom people should be people that can be trusted. Should be people that tell the truth. They should be marked by truth. What's it like to be around somebody that's not trustworthy? Think about it. We've all known people like that. We just can't trust. Do you want to be around those kind of people? I'd say no. You can never trust what's coming out of their mouth. I mean, all of us have been in high school. There was always that person that would tell you to your face that they liked you. And you find out hours, a day or two later, that they're talking behind your back, talking about how much they don't like you and how, and all this stuff, talking junk about you. How does that feel? What do we call a person like that? Two-faced, right? Yeah. And what does it take for trust to be broken? What does it take? One second. One decision. One moment. And years of trust can go up in smoke. Having talked about divorce last week, some of us have experienced that kind of breach of trust. How long does it take to build trust back up? Years, sometimes. My friends, we should be marked by truth. We should be marked by truth. Because we have to go back to all that God has done. Again, what is the foundation of why we want to be like this? Because of what he's called us to, because of what God has done, because of who he is. He died for us when we were sinners. Like I said earlier, he saved us when we were unwanted, unloved, condemned. And he invites all that will come to him. And there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why we want to represent him well, because we carry a name that's above every other name, and every knee will bow at that name someday. And we have an opportunity to proclaim his name so that others have a hope of eternity in heaven. 
the words that we speak as followers of Jesus should be true. If you have your Bibles, devices, whatever, let's go over a few pages of the New Testament to uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to read verse 17. It's going to be on the screen behind me, but I always like to see this too. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yep. Siri reads the verse well too. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I posted on Facebook yesterday that I needed some Russian nesting dolls, and boy, did I get one. It's great. Everybody can see it, right? I got to move around a little bit, and I'll move my Bible over here for a second so we can all kind of see this. I'll move this back here. Anybody need help with their app this morning? <laughs> Just shut it down. How we doing? <laughs> oh, it's, it's Trisha. We love you, Trisha. <laughs> Woo! It's tight. Pull. I know. I'm get, yeah, the owner back there is like, I don't even let my husband touch these, so be careful. I'm like, great. Now, I, now I'm all worried. All right. So as we look at these, I don't know any history of Russian dolls, but this was the illustration that came up in my mind. I'm going to call this the mama doll because that's the biggest one that encases everything, right? But when we come to our lives, man, we have a lot of things in our lives, don't we? And we can come to our life and, and we have these things that we hang on to. And we like to compartmentalize our lives, don't we? where we don't always see things as all in one thing because it's easier. Because then we get to have what we think is some semblance of control. And so we can take these little dolls out that represent, I don't know, maybe different things of our lives. And so I want to get at least another, another one out here so we can kind of see what I'm talking about. But when we look at our lives, they're comprised of a lot of different things. And so, and it goes even more, and I don't want to get a ton more out, but we could say that this is, uh, I don't know, our relationships in our life. And we're going to keep it out here, and I'm going to hang on to these because I just want to have the relationships I want, and I'm going to keep it over here. And then we can come here, and it's our finances, you know, and I'm going to hang on to this because I've got this figured out. Maybe I'm really good. Maybe I'm really bad at finances, and I feel really guilty, and I'm going to have my finances separate. My dreams for my future. Well, God, if I give you my dreams, you just may send me to Africa, and I don't want to go there, so I'm going to hold on to my dreams. Now, how about my job or my career? And we have all these things, and we could, I don't know, we could call this uh, what we own, our possessions, right? At the same point, we can also have our words and the things that we speak. And we just heard a verse that said, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God the Father. 
But in reality, so many times we hang on to all this and this is going to represent God and we put God over here away from our lives. Maybe we just leave God on Sunday. Maybe we leave God at Bible study. But our life's over here. And when we're really in trouble, we'll take our finances and bring it over to God and have a quick conversation and maybe even, maybe even put our finances in God for like five seconds. And then once we have control again, we take it back out. Thanks, God. Love you. We'll see you Sunday. Right? But let's go back to the verse, Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, we do it as unto God. We've got to take these compartments and put them back together and understand that everything we do is spiritual. Everything we do. The words that come out of our mouths, the thoughts that we have, how we spend our money, who we spend our time with, the basis of our relationships, everything that we do, we've got to stop compartmentalizing and take it to God, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday or growth community if you're really spiritual or if you're serving, we got to take it to God and give it to him and let him have it. We have to let him have it because whatever we do, whether in word or in deed, we do it to the glory of God the Father. And I got to run back here and grab my Bible now because in Colossians chapter 3, if we go to the first part of this chapter, he talks about all the things that we just talked about. He says, you know, we used to live different ways, but we've been raised with Christ. Listen to these first three verses. It's not on the screen. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And he finishes this whole section talking about we putting to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, covetousness. He says in verse 10, uh, sorry, verse 8, but now you've got to put away all these things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There it is. We're being renewed in knowledge in the image of our creator, God himself. Don't lie to each other. And he finishes this whole passage in verse 17 saying again, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. My friends, we have a choice every single day and every single moment. Are we going to put only some of those things into the hands of God or are we going to take our lives and we're going to lay it at his feet and say, God, it's yours. Or are we going to hold back some of those things, thinking we have some semblance of control? And are we going to give God the words that come out of our mouths? Are we going to tell the truth? 
And I think if we're all honest, we are most tempted to lie when we are lacking control. It's when we're most tempted to lie. Because the reality for a Jesus follower and the goal for every Jesus follower is this, and I want us to walk away with this, that every heartbeat, every breath, every thought, every word is for God's kingdom. Whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. It's all for him and it's all to him. We should be known as people that tell the truth. Again, Jesus says, simple let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's how simple it should be. In your dealings with people, tell the truth. Don't treat people like a used car salesman. In your job, don't fudge the numbers. Good or bad. Tell the truth. And that can be scary in a career if the numbers aren't good that month. Here's another hard one. Tell you the truth to yourself. Tell the truth to yourself. Man, it's really easy to lie to ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, it's not that bad. Look at somebody else. I'm a victim. I don't want to downplay the fact that there are people that are victims of situations. However, so many times, I think if we're honest, we make ourselves out to be the victim so we can feel better about what we're doing. And we're not lying, and we're lying to ourselves about the situation because we don't want to take responsibility for what happened. Hear God's truth. We have to start there. Remember that everything you do is his. It's all, it's all his. And remember that God always stands behind his promises. And if you know Jesus today, you represent him in everything you do. God stands behind his promises. Are we people that show that to the world around us? Don't let your fish get bigger. Don't keep on being better than you actually were when you tell your stories. If you know Jesus today, speak truth in all you do and everything you say. Because a life of truth points to the one that you follow. A life of truth points to the one that you follow. And that's Jesus Christ if you belong to him today. When you can be trusted and you are known for speaking truth, you will have more opportunity to help others see him. So my friends, let what you say be simply yes or no. Everything else is from the evil one. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all you're doing in our lives. I'm thankful that even as we talk about things like telling the truth in an area maybe we struggle with, Lord, you are God, you are good, and you call us to represent you well. And so God, I pray that as we've talked about what it means to tell the truth as a follower of yours, what it means to do everything we do to the glory of you, I pray that if there's areas of our lives that are in compartments, maybe even shielded off from you. I pray, Lord, we would give it to you. I pray, God, that we can be less compartmentalized and bring all of us to you, knowing that you will hold us. You will change us to look more like Christ. 
use us for your kingdom and your glory. So God, this morning, we lift up your name and we ask for your help to tell the truth. I ask that you'd help us tell the truth to ourselves. Because as we hear the truth, even in our own lives, that's when you change us. So God, may whatever we do, whether in word or deed, be done for you in our lives. Help us point to you, God. Let our yes be yes. I don't know who we know. May we carry your name well. In Jesus' name.